It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. If anybody in their right mind is worried about Jalen Brunson translating the next level, then they didn't watch him play. I believe their team is destiny, man. I really do not think that they're going to be denied. Whether it's the fight Bills, the Birds, the Fly Guys, the Process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. Stop feeding John me to car bombs. Run the ball, control the clock, don't do anything stupid. And John Mita. Kids out there, make sure you practice your free throws. Dear God, give me an interview with the Eagles scouting department. I know I could do better. What's good? What's good? SoundCloud, iTunes. The holiday edition, the happy holidays edition of the Brotherly Love Podcast. Joe O'Donnell, John Mita here with you. Johnny Mita, what's up, my brother? I'm oh, feeling good, Joe. How could you not be feeling good? I mean, it's uh, there is, uh, you know, there's some there's some oxygen. It, the, the season is going to keep going, and uh, it's a beautiful thing. The fact that the last game during the regular season at home is going to mean a lot. It wasn't looking good. Dare I dare I say Johnny Mita? Oh yeah. Dare I say staying alive? Oh, you said they are alive. <laughs> uh, guess the year, BG. Staying alive. Guess the year. I'm gonna say probably the year I was born, like '79 or something. That's very close. Good guess. All right, that's enough of that. We didn't even get to the hook, but it's fine. Staying alive. Birds are staying alive. Hey, real quick, back to our intro for a second. Uh, I was very confident in my Jalen Brunson prediction, which I turned into a uh, a piece of imaging, as they call it in the industry, for our our intro, our open. Jalen Brunson is averaging basically six points a game. Now, he's only getting about 16 minutes less than that a game. So if you doubled that, if he's playing all the time, which obviously he's not earning it, or or maybe the Mavericks are better than I think they are, uh, maybe be you know, 10, 12 points a game. Was my prediction on Jalen Brunson 25 games in his pro career inaccurate? Real quick, I would just say, like, here's the deal. I mean, he, he went to a team that has, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. and Luka Doncic, who was, what, the number two overall selection in this year's draft. So when Doncic was out, like one of the games where Donich had to sit out because he was nursing an injury or basically Brunson started, he ended up dropping 17 points that game. All right. He can definitely play He can definitely play at this level. He's just not really getting the opportunity because, you know, their young backcourt is pretty strong. Right. But, I know you were, I big, mean, you were a big Dennis Smith guy at the time coming out of school. Huge. Yeah. That yeah. was one of John Mita's picks for the Sixers. I love the John Mita picks that never pan out for the actual home team, but then we see him down the line producing. Like, who's your receiver you absolutely love this past year? Well, I mean, I loved Anthony Miller. Yeah, you did. And, and he's uh, he's with Chicago. He's had a nice rookie year. I mean, it hasn't been outstanding, but um, he's he's been pretty good. I mean, there's it just makes me frustrated. I feel like I need to uh, write Howie Roseman a letter, maybe help him. But well, listen, anyway, listen. I've seen yeah. some some pieces lately. For example, just saw. You know, a list of uh, draft picks and the number of snaps they've played over the last couple of years. Eagles and Cowboys. And the Cowboys draft picks have, like, doubled the Eagles draft picks and snaps 
um, over the last four or five years. That was Elliott Shore Parks that did that piece. And then I just saw that the Chargers, you look at the Chargers' last, uh, their last four first-rounders. Los Angeles Chargers' last four first-rounders are Bosa, who's a stud, Derwin James, who's a stud. Uh, there's two other guys in there. They're all huge contributors. Melvin Gordon, like Mike Williams, too, right. receiver. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. He had, uh, he was top 15, and then like he he was coming off a um like his first year. I think he ruptured. He either blew out his knee or ruptured his Achilles, one or the other. But he's really come back. And listen, he's I know I know you have to you have to ha- hit on those big picks. You have to have the picks when you trade for a franchise quarterback to move up and get a guy like Carson Wentz. You're not going to have first rounders for a bit. That's that's the nature of the beast. When you win the Super Bowl, you're not going to have, you know, a high pick, obviously. But this is, you know, depending on where the Eagles finish out here, this is a big upcoming draft for Howie Roseman and company because they have to replenish the cupboard a little bit. There's a lot of needs on this football team, albeit now at 7-7 seven and seven, it's still alive. There's certainly some needs that I know we'll discuss in the coming months for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, but anyway, let's digress. Let's jump right into it. Joe Donald, John Mita, Brotherly Love Podcast. Happy Holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. All that good stuff. It's a big one coming up on Sunday. The Eagles host the Texans down at the link. Final home game of the year. Philadelphia knows this much. They win both games. They're probably going to be a playoff team. They could sneak into that final wild card spot. Anything other than winning the last two games, you're going to need an absolute ton of help. So take care of your business. Start by winning Sunday against a Texans team that is, you know, one win away from clinching the division, two wins away from clinching a first-round bye. They have a lot to play for. They come in off a win over the Jets. They had that long winning streak snapped, though, a couple of weeks ago prior to that. Before we go to the Los Angeles Rams game, the big win for the Eagles, let's let's just get right to Sunday, dude, and what has to what has to happen for the Birds? Well, I mean, here, here's, here's what I know. The good thing is the Texans played at the Jets. They were kind of in the top slobber knocker of the game. Where it's very physical on both sides of the football. Um, they did lose their running back, their starting running back, Lamar Miller. So that'll help the Eagles because, you know, that really kind of diminishes Houston's run game. Again, it's going to start with the Houston Texans have a very solid defense. So it's going to come down to protection. I thought the Eagles' offensive line against the Rams, who have one of the best front fours in all of football, did an exceptional job of uh, keeping Nick Coles clean. He did take a couple shots, some of them were late. Um, they probably should have been called for penalties, but they did a really nice job, and, and both in pass protection and also in the run blocking. So that's going to be huge against them. Um, the other thing is, if you look at the Houston Texans, and they're going to play a different style of quarterback. Deshaun Watson, he's a guy that can get out of the pocket, makes make some people miss, and plays alive, and, and make big plays down the field. And the other thing is, you know, if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, and you know your defensive backfield is that banged up. You have to double-team DeAndre Hopkins every snap. That's what I would do. Because if you look at the other receivers on the Houston Texans roster, you know, they, they did sign Demarius, or well, they traded for Demarius Thomas from Denver, another big body guy, but you really have to focus a lot of your attention on trying to stop DeAndre Hopkins, who I hate to say it, but he is my favorite wide receiver in the entire NFL just because everything he does – I mean, he gets open. He's a, tr- a tremendous route runner. He gets open all the time. He just makes play after play. And he has probably the best hands of all the National Football League. So I think two things. I think focusing your game plan defensively on trying to limit 
you know, keeping Deshaun Monson in the pocket so he can't hit you for a big play. You know, double teaming DeAndre Hopkins, that's going to be very important. And then the, the thing is, hey, keep Nick Foles clean. The offensive line is going to come up large again. And, and, and the play calling was really good last week. They had a nice mix of both run and pass. They were taking some deep shots down the field. And, oh, my God, what a difference with Alshon Jeffrey. He had eight receptions for 160 yards. Like, that's almost like one quarter of what he's done all season. I mean, they have great chemistry together, which is nice. And I think this is a very winnable game. You know the place, because there's something to play for. Eagles fans always show out at home. But I think they're going to bring it um, this Sunday. And we'll be in attendance, which will be a great thing. We're bringing a busload of folks down. So, I think that's going to be amazing, and I just think it's – we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But like you said, I mean, if they can find a way to beat the Texans, the last game of the season is Washington, and they're now on their four-string quarterback because the Sanchez has been replaced by a guy that was, what, off the streets, hasn't started Yeah, hasn't thrown a pass John, in like John, seven John, years. John, John, John. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I look forward to this Sunday. All right, here's what I've got for you. Uh, the weather looks to be mild. We know that benefits Nick Foles because when it started to get frigid cold late last season, he just looked uncomfortable. So it can't hurt you to have some some mild weather. The big question is going to be how do they follow it up? Follow it up. That was a huge win Sunday night. Everybody saw it. Everybody's talking about the Eagles this week from the standpoint that they did show up, that they did upset the Los Angeles Rams, that they were a double-digit point underdog, yet they got it done. You had the ski masks. You had the swagger from the defense. Something that had been missing from this team for much of the season appeared to be back Sunday night in Los Angeles. Defensively, I couldn't agree with you more. You got to keep DeAndre Hopkins in front of you. He might be the best wide receiver in football. He catches everything. He's a deep threat. He is one of those guys that can make a sideline grab where you think the ball's overthrown. He can come up with almost any type of route and catch as you spoke to John Mita. I couldn't agree with you more. But here's what I think... I didn't know about the Texans, and doing a little research now and reading on Twitter and whatnot, I've seen a possibility for the Eagles to wreak havoc on this football game. Deshaun Watson has been the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. He's been sacked 52 times. Second on that list is Dak Prescott, which I also found surprising considering both can use their legs to get out of trouble. So what does that tell you? Does Deshaun Watson hold the ball too much? Are they always trying to hit some of those deep routes? and those slow-developing plays are getting him hit, or is their offensive line suspect? I guess we're going to find out on Sunday. But 52 sacks is what Deshaun Watson has taken already this season with still two games left. There can be some damage done there by the Eagles' defensive line. And think about the confidence the football team's playing with now. Three turnovers in each of the last two games. Something that this team was not doing earlier in the season. So that confidence, that sort of big playability, the fact that Watson is sackable, should make for at least an interesting matchup in the trenches for the Eagles on Sunday. Offensively, you talked about protecting Foles, couldn't agree more. J.J. Watt, when healthy, to me, is the best defensive player on the planet, and I'm sorry, Fletcher Cox and Aaron Donald, with all due respect, when J.J. Watt is healthy, he destroys games on a weekly basis. So whatever the game plan is to slow him down, I sure as hell, uh, I sure as hell hope, hope it works because he is that dominant of a football player. I think the balance that you spoke of was huge Sunday night. you got to run the ball. God, I wish Josh Adams would turn up field a little bit quicker on some of those runs, but I guess that's his style, kind of bounce and slash. Uh, Wendell Smallwood with a couple of touchdowns in the football game. 
that was certainly nice to see as he was off the witness protection list with Clement on IR and, and Sproles obviously not going to get a, a ton of carries. So run the ball, keep that balance, take your shots downfield and get Foles on the move a bit. Nick Foles is never going to run for first downs. He's never going to you know break off a 50-yard run. But when he can get outside that pocket or shift the pocket a bit, it buys that extra split second of time and he's pretty darn accurate, knock on wood. So same recipe as last Sunday, honestly, in my book and they'll give themselves a chance to win this game. I just want to add one thing. I want to give credit where credit's due. You know, I've been killing Jim Schwartz all year. Oh, is this it? Is this the time? But all I'm going to say is, (laughs) all I'm going to say is, like, last week, this defense was totally different from any defense that I've seen them from any week. They were aggressive at times. I know with golf, you know, if you kind of get him off his mark, if you kind of get him moving around. But every time, Joe, they blitzed or brought some pressure and forced Jared Goff into a bad decision or or we had a turnover. And it was so nice to see Avante Maddox back in the secondary because I think he makes a huge difference at that other safety position next to Malcolm Jenkins as opposed to starting Corey Graham. So whatever they yeah, did and Maddox week, even he, played a little, played all over the place. Maddox played yeah. some corner, and Graham was up at safety. I mean, listen, whatever they did worked. So Yeah, it was just nice to see. I mean, they were bringing Nigel Braddon, some linebackers up the A-gap, running their face, and oh, my God. So one play, did you see Fletcher Cox when he oh, missed that one? Man With one yeah. hand. I mean, you want to talk about brute strength? I've never seen a lineman like that just get tossed to the ground by one single paw 312 pound lineman by the way that's not a small lineman that guy's a big boy and Fletcher Cox had what two stutter steps off the snap of the ball to get to him it's not like he had a 15 yard running start no here's the other little bit of credit to Michael Bennett has really come on the last couple weeks and has played extremely well yeah and he's playing smart football too look the defense I'll, I'll add this again Eagles beat the Rams 30 to 23 last weekend uh, last Sunday night, and, and the defense set the tone of the first series. I mean, the first play of the game, they tackled Gurley for a loss where they forced him to cut back, and Malcolm Jenkins blew him up. And you could just see they had it going. Um, and then the Eagles, you know, the Eagles pinned the Rams deep on that one series. And, you know, they're backed up, you know, and they almost came away with an interception. Uh, Chris Long deflects a pass, and next thing you know, it's third and short, or third and long. They throw a little screen pass. The Eagles blow it up, and they're punting the football. Boom, next play, big big ball to Jeffrey down down the, the middle of the field where him and Aguilar got behind the secondary by some stroke of the imagination. I have no idea how that happened, but <laughs> the defense set the tone. If they can yeah. do that again Sunday with the home crowd behind them, you know, it's going to obviously keep them in the football game for a while. And if they can stay in this game, I think there's a good chance, you know, we've seen Nick Foles make plays. So let's see what happens on Sunday. And it always helps, too, as far as tempo of the game goes. When you're leading in the football yes. game, it just opens up so many different things. Right, the you playbook, can you can use anything you want. Your defense isn't on the field the whole game. I mean, like they Perfect. seem to have belief, right? They had the swagger. They executed. They were on the road against an 11-2 and team. you got to give them full kudos. I, I wrote this team off after the first Dallas loss. If you remember, I said they're done. That was it. Yeah. And mathematically, they weren't done. And it stretches then against the Saints. They look like they were done. And then they got the benefit of playing two terrible NFC East teams to, to at least keep them in it mathematically. And then you get the Cowboys, that heartbreaker in overtime where your defense is on the field for three quarters of the game. And you're thinking, oh, 
What do they have left? Now they got to go to the Rams, the vaunted Rams. And they got it done. They outplayed the Rams. They outcoached the Rams. They outplayed the Rams. They outexecuted the Rams. They had more momentum and mojo and swagger, and they look like the champs. And if they can bring that again Sunday, if they can rev it up one more time, they'll put themselves in a spot week 17 and maybe make something happen. And, and I think shock a lot of the football world, myself included. I mean, you want to give Jim Schwartz credit because you always rip them. I got to give the Eagles credit for making this season and at least this Sunday worth a damn. All right, um, let, let's get into this this Wentz and Foles debate because I did yeah. listen to a lot of sports talk radio leading up to Sunday night's game once Foles was announced yeah. a starter. Then after the Sunday night game, uh, I read a lot <laughs> on what was being said, and it bothers me. I love Nick Foles to death, okay? I get it. I mean, you don't have to explain to me what he did. You don't have to explain to me how much different the offense looked Sunday night, how good they looked, how confident they were, the way that the ball was spread around, and maybe it wasn't just one target and hurts all the time. But if anybody is listening to this podcast and they truly believe that Nick Foles is the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles for the future, then you're not thinking about the future. Nick Foles' career essentially is what it is, and it's going to end sooner rather than later. Carson Wentz's career is just beginning. So let's just stop with the outlandish comments, the stupidity, the burying of Wentz, the putting Foles on the podium. I, I Again, I love it. And if Nick Foles carries his team to the playoffs again, he deserves all the praise in the world, and he'll go down on the lures of Philadelphia Eagles football history as damn well he should. But Carson Wentz is the future. And this is coming from the guy who didn't want them to draft small market North Dakota State quarterback who I'd never heard of until literally like two weeks before the draft. All right, I'm talking about a guy that I've seen with my own two eyes and the amazing stuff he can do on the team, uh, on the field, excuse me, his leadership ability, his work ethic. He has all the intangibles. Think about some great quarterbacks in NFL history. Aaron Rodgers didn't play like his first four years. I mean, there are guys that it takes forever, forever to get to the level Wentz is already at. Look at his numbers this year coming off a major knee surgery about a year ago. And the fact that he was dealing with an ailing back injury that now turns out to be fractured, for Christ's sake. Like, can we can we pump the brakes on the overreaction because the offense looked better with Foles? I get it. I'm not going to lie. The offense did look better. But if anybody out there thinks that this is the future, that Nick Foles is the future, not today, not next week, not January and February, but like two to three to four years, the future, next season, the future, you are crazy. Put the pipe down. Carson Wentz is the future. Give him the contract extension. Protect him with a good offensive line. Continue to give him weapons. And for the better part of the next decade, as we all expect, the Eagles should be in contention. Now, did it happen this year with Wentz for many weeks? Was there frustration? Was there that what's wrong with this team kind of feeling? Yes. Okay? And can that happen over a season? Yes. To say they're going to be in it every year is probably a bit naive. Look at the Packers. They felt the same way about Aaron Rodgers, and they've had two miserable seasons. So you you put the right pieces around Carson Wentz. He stays healthy. This team will be fine for the foreseeable future, even with a sometimes boneheaded play-calling coach like Poopy Peterson. Your thoughts? Well, it's funny you bring up the word stupidity, and I, I just I couldn't agree with you more. And I want to talk about a, cl- a close friend of mine. You know him as well, Joe. Sean Murtaugh says that the Eagles just can't win with Carson Wentz. Nick Foles should have been the guy. He should have been in there. 
you know, four games ago, and like you just said to the people, put the pipe down. Because let me explain something to everyone. It's amazing how everyone forgets that last year, Carson Wentz was like 11-2. and two. He had 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions and pretty much should have been the MVP of the National Football League. If he doesn't get hurt, he's the MVP National Football League. Honest to God. I still think he should have won it over Brady. I agree. I mean, he did more for his team last year than some of the plays, the escapability. The Redskins have him dead to rights. He comes out of the pack. He's in Seattle. He's under duress. He rolls out and throws a 60-yard strike to Nelson Aguilar down the sideline. Like, the kid is totally special. And here, here's what we also know. Guys that come back from – let's just look at quarterbacks, right, that have come back from, like, ACL tears or, like, torn up knees or Achilles, right? And look at Brady, when Brady banged himself up. The following year, I don't even think they made the playoffs. He had a very down year. So, yes, we all expect Carson to be Superman and come back. And, and I think he kind of rusts things. I mean – because of how things transpired at the end of the season with Nick Colts, you know, leading the charge and him getting accolades, I'm sure Carson wanted to push and push so that he knows that everyone in Philadelphia knows that this is still his football team. I mean, his numbers, it's not like he was terrible this year, okay? His numbers aren't pedestrian. 21 touchdowns and seven interceptions, and he threw for 300 yards in multiple games. I could see if the guy stunk, if we got shut out, if he just and here's the other thing, you also need to look at his mechanics. Okay, just go back and look the film. Everybody that questions it, I want you to look at his games this year. I want you to look at the way that he doesn't step into throws that he's basically just using all his arm. That could be a combination of everything. It could be a combination of him not trusting his knee. It could be the fact that he was favoring one side and then he gets his back injury and now it's throwing everything out of whack. His mechanics have been banged up all year. It could be the lack of a, of a full off season. Let's keep that in year. mind. A full off season, absolutely great point. Let's also look. Listen, this offensive line hasn't been in great shape. You know, Jason Peters playing with a torn bicep. Lane Johnson had a sprained MCL and a sprained what a high ankle sprain. How that guy even only just took one or two games off and, and is back in the lineup. But they've been banged up on the offensive line. So there's so many factors that go into this. People just need to take a page out of Aaron Rodgers' book. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. Listen, I love Nick Foles, too. What he did last year was tremendous. It's an unforgettable experience that all Philadelphia will remember for an entire lifetime. But to say that Carson Wentz isn't your quarterback – I want people to come up to me and name me who the, if they want Nick Foles, okay, fine. But I want you to tell me how many other quarterbacks you would take in the National Football League to start your franchise right now than Carson Wentz. You know, there might be three or four. Right. And some of these old veterans. And, every, and everybody Brady, else, and any any one of those other names, right? If you go Brady's, Breeze, Rogers, right? Let's just throw yeah, Ramp, yeah, okay? Yeah, Let's throw those yeah, four exactly. or five yeah, out. Let's yeah. just throw them out. Right. Anywhere else you're going, Mahomes, Goff, what Watson? These are all these are yeah. all one week wonders. These are all guys that haven't been through it for a decade. So you know, Jared Goff earlier this year it was like, oh, Goff Rams, oh, way better yeah. than Wentz. Look at the Rams, unbeatable. This kid's the best quarterback in the league. He stunk the last two weeks. He's thrown seven interceptions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes has 
He's still putting up gaudy numbers, but even he has looked a bit more human at times. Deshaun Watson, his football team started 0-3. And what was he doing? Coming off an ACL injury. I mean, you have to pump the brakes. Carson Wentz, when healthy, is elite. When not healthy, he's still elite. We saw it this year, for Christ's sake. Well, yeah, when just, and here's the deal. People also need to look up. I'm going to go fact-finding for stats. Look at Peyton Manning's first 40 games in the league and his winner stats are and compare them to Carson Wentz. Yeah, they're, Carson they're, Wentz, yeah better yeah, numbers. Better numbers, less interceptions, you know, wins. I mean, it's just, you know, people just need to just calm down. And let me, and let me just add this, all right? The, the Eagles' offense on Sunday night, for as good as they looked at times, put up 30 points. Okay, that's not yeah. earth shattering. That's where you want to be every week. Okay, right. and I only bring that up because there were three turnovers factored in there. Great, the point. Eagles' that, defense wasn't forcing turnovers for the lion's share of the weeks. Wentz was a quarterback the entire, the entire season. Joe, they had what they nine what, in the first seven, six weeks? Seven? No, I think they had seven turnovers in the first nine games. Oh, there you go, seven and season. nine. Yeah, exactly. Seven and nine, and like that's like, especially for this Eagles' defense, who we thought would be better, right. and then we lose. You know, you lose so many starters in the secondary. The turnovers like, give you momentum. The turnovers are they, huge. They, oh, they, they get they, you they off the field. They get role. you off the field. Less snaps defensively, and they give you better field position most times. If nothing else, they take the yeah. wind out of your opponent's sails for a series. You know, like the Eagles got that interception, that great pick by Avante Maddox. They didn't do anything with it. I was frustrated as hell. They have to punt the football away, but at least it shifted field position. And you know, for a couple of plays, it got the defense off the field. Like. If if you give Carson Wentz the ball three extra times in some of those games where the Eagles' defense literally was getting gassed and the time of possession yeah. literally was 2-1 to one in favor of the opponent, give Wentz three other series in some of those one-touchdown games. Some of those games they lost by a field goal. The game they lost in overtime. The game they blew defensively. For a long time, I didn't want to blame the defense. Okay? Because the offense wasn't holding up their end of the bargain. But the most crushing losses this season... One of them at the end of the day, whether they make the players or not, it's going to be Carolina. And up 17 nothing at home, you should literally be able to just take the take a knee three times, punt the ball, you should win that football game. All right, That's going to be one of the most crushing defeats if this team doesn't make the playoffs, especially with as big of a grease fire as Carolina has become. And the Titans game, too. It was fourth and a mile. That game was over. Corey Graham fell asleep at the wheel. First down, momentum, you lose in overtime. I mean... Those are two losses right now where we're not even talking about Sunday's game against the Texans because we already punched our playoff ticket. Yeah. And I, I know mean, it's all, I know hindsight's twenty twenty and whatnot. No, but, for but those it's just cru- amazing how yeah. two games can turn right. your old season. And for those crushing wins, like, just take a look in the mirror. Just go back to, think about Bobby Hoying. Think about Coy Detmer. Think about Kevin Cobb and all these loser-ass quarterbacks that have come through Philadelphia in the last 15, 20 years. And tell me you wouldn't want Carson Wentz pretty much over any quarterback the Eagles have had in their franchise history, for crying out loud, with the upside, the promise, the size, and the youth. Like, come on. He's got everything. He's just going to need a year to just recover from injuries, have a full offseason where he can be in the building. He can just not rehab an injury. He can just get to work and focus on his skill set and everything else. He's going to be fine. My guess on the whole injury thing and and how poorly that was handled and played out is that everybody in the the complex knew that Carson Wentz was hurt. Okay? There's no way they didn't know. All right? If you go back, was it week seven, week eight? He was on the injury report for a back injury anyway. My guess is it was one of those things where the docs are saying, yeah, he can keep playing, you know, very slim chance he makes it worse or no chance he makes it worse, whatever the phrasing would be. 
and he keeps yeah. he wants to gut it out. He's the franchise quarterback. Yeah, yeah. As you said, he don't well, want to watch Foles come in there for a couple of weeks, so you keep playing him, you keep playing him, you keep playing Now all of a sudden right. you do that, you're doing a scan every week. I, I guarantee you they were scanning him every single week because the, the training staff's around him daily. They scan him yep. last week, show the fracture, got to pump the brakes. Sorry, kid. Can't let you go back out there. Plus, plus they have, they're basically a 10% chance to make the playoffs. So why do you keep running him out there? What's the risk in putting Foles into that spot? Not, hey, Foles rekindles the magic, great. Maybe we go on a run. If not, season was pretty much over anyway. Why would you put your franchise quarterback out there again? Let him heal. I don't care if it takes two to three months. What do you have to lose? You're already the Super Bowl champs. It's not like this window has closed. It's not like your entire core worth of players is gone. Your coach is on the final year of his contract. Like, there's no reason to rush it. Just sit him down, and if Foles rekindles the magic, outstanding. Well, and, and listen, and the entire team has been decimated by injuries. I mean, you know, I mean, just look at the secondary. They lost three starters. They are reusing jersey field. numbers. When, uh, when have you seen a football team reuse jersey numbers? Seriously. I hear you. Yeah. You got guys wearing numbers of guys that, like, they the body's not even cold yet. <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right, let's jump to the let's let's jump to the Flyers. Yeah. All right, because big sure. news the organization. First of all, you heard it here first on the Brotherly Love podcast that Brent Flair would be joining Chuck Fletcher at some point. Sure enough, that didn't take long. So welcome to town, Flairsy. Uh, he'll be running the draft for your Philadelphia Flyers for the foreseeable future. You know, and then you you get the firing of head coach Dave Haxtall, which was not handled well, in my humble opinion. I don't think anybody in that organization would would uh, disagree with that. They're getting roasted for it nationally. I don't really want to touch on that too much, but Haxtell is gone. Scott Gordon, the interim head coach. There was a lot of smoke and rumors about Joel Quenville being the next guy. Maybe he will be at some point, but as of now, it's Scott Gordon's show. Um, so Haxtell out, and I guess really now the, the big news is that Carter Hart is up. Again, I didn't see it coming. Obviously, the injury to Anthony Stolarz kind of sped up the process, but the Flyers could have brought Alex Lyon up. They did not have to bring Carter Hart up. So Chuck Fletcher already making his biggest move, really uh, second biggest move in, in a week. First, he gets rid of the coach. Now the prize prospect is up. I will say this. Chuck Fletcher's history in Minnesota was not one of patience as far as prospects. Guys get a chance early when Chuck Fletcher's the GM. And I know it's Minnesota. I know it's a different place, different organization, different je- uh, depth chart, different expectations, all that stuff. So I'm not saying that will be the blueprint for Philadelphia. But if you look at what Chuck Fletcher did in Minnesota, young players, young prospects, first, second rounders, they always got a taste, if not an immediate chance, at the NHL. Now, did the timeline change because of the injury to Stolarz? The head coach is fired. You want to see what the kid has. What's the worst thing that can happen? They can send him back in a week if they want. Carter Hart in net tonight as we speak against the Red Wings. And uh, certainly that's a huge story for the Flyers. You saw the road trip. You know, you hear the... The talk of okay, the, the new Flyers general manager is going to join the team on the road trip and make evaluations, and they go out and they just get basted. Uh, they gave up. Yeah, I think the one game that kind of I think sold um, basically Axel's future was when they gave up that two goal lead against Calgary and ended up losing that game. They gave up what like three goals in like two minutes of play. Um, so. It wasn't handled right because all the rumors started coming out before then. They should have just made an announcement right away. Then they go out and they deny it, and then they do it anyway. Um, so that was, I agree with you, it was handled pretty poorly. But, you know, I've said all along, once, 
you know, Joel Quinville got fired, I said, he's a name, he's a guy that the Flyers should definitely target to the fact that he just has that winning experience, right? He's done it before. He's won cups with the Blackhawks. And I think players will respect that. They can buy into somebody's system who, who's done it before. Um, it's nice you, you bring up Carter Hart, right? I mean, I just read a stat that was mind-blowing from at the real Glenn Mack now on Twitter. Um, the Flyers have drafted – listen to this stat, Joe. This will blow your mind. The Flyers have drafted 23 goalies since 2001, and only one of them has made a start in the National Hockey League, and that is um, Stolarz. And well, now it's with Carter Hart getting his start tonight. That'll mean two. So 23 wow. goalies in two of them in 17 years. So you want to talk about there's a problem in the scouting department? Yeah, I think we could start there and clean some house right there. Um, so Carter Hardy's doing well tonight. Flyers up 3-1 after two. Uh, he's only faced 14 shots. He stopped 13 of them. So it's good to see, man. We'll see what the kid has. I mean, I know you want to get him more season. I know, Joe, you touched on that last podcast. He's got to play at least 100 games, but, you know, at this point, what the hell is the worst can happen? Well, Obviously, exactly. You don't want to, Listen, to the fly- peppered, right? You know, but you don't want him to get shelled. But the Flyers' right. team goals, their team save percentage is eight seventy four. Like, if you're not nine ten or better, you're not competing. Eight seventy four people. The lowest in the NHL is not even close. So they were not getting good goaltending. I know their defense. I've touched on it. Beating a dead horse. Their defense isn't great. But you have to get a save occasionally. And if this kid, you know, can get his feet wet, can get a little confidence, can make those one or two game-changing, momentum-changing saves in a, in a couple of starts and get this team back on the right path, yeah, then when Brian Elliott's healthy, Michael Neuver's healthy, you send the kid back to the minors, you know he's there when you need him again. He It doesn't have to be the long-term solution this year. It just needs to be um, really... Just just those saves, those timely saves that a goaltender can make that can change the course of a game, and really maybe even more than that, a couple of weeks' worth of hockey. And that and that's all they need right now, and so it doesn't hurt. No, it doesn't hurt to bring them up and give them this opportunity because what else do you have to lose? You're in last place right now in the conference. Yeah, I mean, you just go down the line. It's like you just look at goaltenders. They have that. You need somebody that, be, that can become that brick wall that can seal a game for you. So many of the great ones, you know, and it's just, it's just something the Flyers have lacked for, <laughs> clearly, 20 years, 25 years, 30 years. I mean, it's crazy. It's just amazing that that's, you've drafted that many people and have missed that many times. Well, it's like the Cleveland right. Browns with quarterbacks, you know? Well, true, exactly. For so right long, they were Absolutely. just a laughing stock because they were rolling yeah. through quarterbacks after quarterbacks and misfiring on the draft and free agents, and they were the laughing stock. And in some ways, the yeah. Flyers' goaltending situation, unfortunately, uh, parallels that for, for a number of years. All right, Johnny Mita, um, I know you want to touch the Phillies real quick before we get on out of here. This will probably be our final episode of 2018 calendar year. I'm looking forward to seeing you this weekend, and uh, and we hope everybody out there, of course, has a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We appreciate all the love and support in 2018, where we had our 100th show and we are, uh, you know, nearing 10,000 clicks on SoundCloud. That doesn't even count iTunes. So very grateful to be doing this with you, buddy. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, we're looking forward to a great 2019 as well. I'll digress from that and just say if you got anything on the Phillies before we roll on out of here, fire away, my friend. Well, it's just interesting. Phillies made a couple moves. You know, they traded for Segarra shortstop. They kind of got rid of C. 
Santana's contract, which was nice, then you can move Reese Hoskins back to first base. But I want Philly fans to keep this in mind right now when we're talking hot stove. But if they strike out on Manny Machado and Bryce Harper this year, which is a possibility, keep in mind that next year Nolan Arenado, the super third baseman from the Colorado Rockies, will be available, and Mike Trout. So would you rather have Mike Trout in a trade and Nolan Arenado or Machado or and Harper? You tell me. So – well, you know where you know where I season. come out on Machado and Harper. I could care less about one. I could care even less about the latter. Um, the thing that rattles me is that the Phillies did this themselves. You know, when the owner comes out and says we're ready to spend stupid money, and the whole fan base is all geeked up for landing uber mega stars, the dream team 3.0, you know, like the Eagles had, like you set yourself up for failure because no matter what you do, unless you come up with those big names. It's not a good off season. Now, the moves they make might make them way better. They may be a playoff team. They may be a 10 or 15 win improvement over last year type of team. But you don't come out and say the things that ownership and management said and then not deliver. Or all you're going to do is set the bar too high for the fan base. Now, the sane, rational fan that knows baseball might be like, damn, this is a way better team. But the social media-driven casual fan is thinking $300 million contracts. And that's the Phillies' fault. So Andrew McCutcheon, upgrade, sure, we'll see. Secura, great, good trade. Get rid of Carlos Santana's contract. You nailed it. But they set the bar at a heavenly rate. And let's just hope that, you know, there are still some moves to come here because if not, you're going to have... Well, they also also need a starting pitcher as well. And, and the, some of the relievers that they're allegedly in the mix on. The big-name free agent relievers. Like, what if they don't land them? You know, then then you, you – again, I, I just – when I they, were, say, honest, when they were saying it all, it was free. great. But now if they don't get it done, they're going to they're gonna have their foot in their mouth. I'm going to be honest with you. Baseball free agency is boring. It stinks. Yeah, there's no it's July 1 out. where everybody just loads up. Yeah, I love the NFL. It's like wildfire. Text message. I mean, it is just frantic. And even the NBA is like that, too. But, well, Joe, I just want to tell you, man, they're doing this show with you and for, you know, just bringing, you know, we love talking Philly sports and just, you know, you're the engine that drives this whole entire program. So can't thank you enough for, you know, making me a part of this. Like four years now? Yeah. I mean, so. It was your dream, Johnny Mata. Your dream, my brother. And it's a pleasure. You're such a good person. And uh, to be able to do this with you, it's a ton of fun, my friend. I wouldn't rather do it with anybody else. So, you know, and you've gone through a lot, my man. So I'm glad that you're uh, you're holding up. And certainly uh, it's been a lot of fun. We appreciate all love and support on SoundCloud and iTunes. But without the dream, without the Martin Luther King dream, you know, you were always telling me, <laughs> we got to do this thing. We can do it. Um, and sure oh, enough, yeah. there's people following along. So we appreciate that. You got it, buddy. Well said. Well said. Any uh, damn that sacky? Anything? Anything? Anywho. Damn, that's tacky. <laughs> oh, yeah. How about this song, Same Old Journey? Is that tacky enough for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the high bang, absolutely. It's incredibly tacky now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, SoundCloud, iTunes, have a great Christmas. Happy New Year. We'll catch you in 2019. Go Birds. Maybe they'll stay alive. Maybe we'll be talking playoff football in the next episode of the Brotherly Love wow. Podcast. <laughs> All right, Johnny, me to be good, brother. I'll see you this weekend.
You got it, Jose. Looking forward to it. For John Mayta, Joe O'Donnell. Till next time in 2019. We'll see. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.